It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Monday evening. Apologies for no YouTube feed. Wasn't getting the live thing to work out. So we'll just do the audio podcast tonight, kind of going old school. And hey, same old, same old. A big home win on a Thursday, a disappointing road loss on a Sunday. Yes, there were positives in the comeback at Purdue. It was a hell of a comeback, no doubt, that Illinois was just unable to finish up. But really kind of a summation of the season. And as the game ended on Sunday, I didn't feel anger, really. Why would you at this point? Annoyance at points, especially the first half, where I thought the team just showed no pride at all. And then they kind of rectified that in the second half. But too little, too late on the road against a top-five team. And as not great as I think Purdue might be, they're still pretty darn good at Mackey Arena. And a lot of what they did yesterday was without... Zach Eady being his normal dominant self, and really the supporting cast taking it to you. So again, positives, negatives, within the same game, a tale of two halves, You know these narratives that we've seen time and time again this season. So let's start with the Purdue game. Beautiful Sunday, another beautiful day here on, on Monday. I mean, I got 67 degrees it got to. But as the first half is going on, I'm debating, I'm, I texted my dad even, and he said, hey, are you going to podcast the second half? I planned on it, but I did have a caveat when I tweeted that out. I said, well, you know, unless it's a stinker, we'll podcast. Well, sure enough, it became a stinker, and it became a stinker pretty quickly, somewhere between the eight and the four-minute mark of that first half, where Purdue went on this run that Trevor and Isaac and I were texting. Trevor predicted that would happen at the start of the second half, but no, Illinois didn't waste any time, and unfortunately, they found themselves down by upwards of 20 points. And that in and of itself may not have been a shock, but I think the speed with which Purdue accelerated that from like a 7-8 point lead to the 20s without really Zach Eady doing anything, that was the surprise, let's say, and the disheartening part of it. You know, yesterday, watching that first half, I was reminded of the parts of this team that have made it very frustrating to watch. And to me, it's much more to do with the veterans than it is the freshmen, and that's easy to say. Freshmen, they get a longer leash. You forgive them for some of their mistakes because, after all, they're freshmen. It's not like Ty Rogers had some star-making performance at Purdue. Sincere Harris certainly did. I mean, he was fantastic. And you didn't even have Jaden Epps. The sophomores, I thought R.J. Melendez and Luke Goody were great. And Coleman Hawkins was really good, too. But what does this all come back to? And for anyone that listened to the Michigan podcast, you know my frustrations often begin and end with the two transfers, knowing that, and I think my dad said this perfectly yesterday, knowing that if you didn't have them, you would not have had as good of a season. I think we could agree that you don't have as many wins without Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon. Duh, right? But it's true. And I think it's worth saying because frustrated as I can get with them, I also acknowledge that they are good basketball players that helped you stem the tide a little bit. But here's where the frustration comes in. When they are on... And I'm not even talking in terms of just making buckets, even though Matthew Meyer couldn't buy a bucket yesterday. But when they are on in terms of energy, they're playing with a motor. Everything is different. When Terrence Shannon finally started attacking, you saw the run happen in that second half. But for far too much of that game yesterday, he was passive. And I I don't get it. I do not understand it. And I don't even think Coach Underwood understands it either. Coach Underwood, look at me talking like I'm a player. I don't even think Brad Underwood understands why. And he kind of said as much in the postgame press conference. He's like, I, I don't know. If I had an answer to that, you know, this season would have gone a lot, a lot differently. There is the outside chance that this is just a one-off weird season. And there is a chance that Brad Underwood has tried every single button, but for whatever reason, this group collectively, you just are not going to get it consistently from them. And as we sit here on March 6th, I think we could say with some certainty that we we don't expect consistency at this point. I just hope that it is, in fact, an aberration and that the Matthew Myers and the Terrence Shannons in the world might have helped this coaching staff learn a few things about when they go to the transfer portal. We were excited for a reason. These two players, as far as production are concerned, have been your two biggest point makers or, or shot makers, excuse me, and They've made you a heck of a lot better, at least on paper, but is there a way to vet the intangible qualities of these guys? 
It's not saying that Terrence or Matthew Meyer are bad people. That is far from the case. For, for all accounts, Terrence is a really good dude, and Matthew Meyer is kind of a, a lovable weirdo. But on the court, when you need them to be at their best, to win a game like yesterday, you cannot have them no-show an entire half. And that was the first half against Purdue. A no-show from the two guys that you could not afford that from. So now we're in single elimination tournament territory, right? I mean, this is it. There, there are no more regular season games. You can put away any sort of narrative like, well, maybe they'll put it all together. We're in crapshoot territory, so it goes without saying. Any team in either of these tournaments could make a run. And yeah, that includes Nebraska, who's playing lights out. That includes Minnesota, could win a couple games out of nowhere because they are not playing that terribly. This Illinois team, I guess, depending on the matchup, they could make a run themselves. But the Purdue loss, unfortunately, dredged up for all the, the great virtues of that comeback. It dredged up all the reasons why this team leaves you wanting. Because for 20-plus minutes, they just sucked. You could say Purdue had something to do with that. I don't completely discount that. But boy, did Illinois shoot themselves in the foot far too often in a game where you knew they couldn't afford it. And we could play narratives. We could say Illinois was tired after a double overtime win against Michigan, which was an emotional win. It was an instant classic. How much fun was that Thursday, right? That game showed you that that team could actually string together 50 minutes of concerted effort and focus because they were. I don't think there was a single stretch in that game where I said, oh, you're being dumb, except for the two threes that Buffkin got. I thought that was on Terrence and Matthew. Maybe I'd have to go back and look at it. Maybe I'm just pointing or directing my ire at the same two places, and I need to check myself. That is fully possible. But that Michigan game was encouraging because... Michigan was desperate. They needed that more than you did. And you somehow match that desperation. You match that energy. And you got to win against a team that, even though Michigan will not make the NCAA tournament in all likelihood, is an NCAA tournament caliber team. They just have the bad luck of having Juwan Howard as their coach. That would hurt anybody with that talent level. So here we are. It's the Big Ten tournament. You know, and what to expect? I don't know. I don't expect anything this weekend. I don't expect anything next weekend. I would love to say that three weekends from now, we can still talk about an upcoming Illini basketball game. And while I don't anticipate that, the weirdness of single elimination tournaments means that there is a chance. But the last point before we get to the sponsors, part of the problem as we get into bracketology updates in just a second, is that now you are probably not looking at a 7-10 game. You're probably looking at an 8-9. And there is a drop-off, considerably, from the presumed one seeds to the two seeds. Purdue, the team you just played, they might get a one seed, but that's more like a two-seed caliber team. I think they probably get the top two seed when all's said and done. But Houston, UCLA, Alabama, and I don't know, what are you going with, Kansas? I mean, Connecticut kind of, uh, they tighten things up there late in the year. Probably Kansas to get a Big 12 team in there. I, I see them being more deserving than Purdue. At least the eye test would tell you that Kansas is a better team, right? Unfortunately, if you're in the 8-9 game and you're playing a Houston or a UCLA again or an Alabama in that second round, I don't know, good luck to you. Because this team, while they have shown they could do it, it's been since December when they actually did it. And even then... In the UCLA win and the Texas win, it took a crazy comeback that they just weren't able to finish up at Mac Arena. Maybe on a neutral site they can. Maybe this team is just built differently. I, I don't know. But the 8-9 line is staring you right in the face, and that means the second round, if you get that far, is going to be some uphill sledding. So before we get too far into this and talk Big Ten Tournament and talk some other storylines, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at DPDO.com for all the best deals and prices, DPDO.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So order online at DPDO.com for a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, and they will deliver a piping hot calzone right to your doorstep. This could be a business lunch. This could be a celebratory calzone while you're sitting at home and watching the Illini, fingers crossed, beat Penn State on Thursday night. That is DPDO.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at BrianIsMyGuy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, 
You name it, Brian is my guy, and he could be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Brian has been working with us for the last couple of years. We plan on sticking with him forever, pretty much. And it's not just that he's someone you can trust, but the staff over there, tremendous. They really are, and the customer service is second to none. We can speak from experience. That is Brian Hansen, State Farm agent online at brianismyguy.com. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend, and get this deal. Winter is not over yet. I know today certainly felt like spring, but winter is not over yet, and you can get this deal. When you get a new Lennox Home Comfort System, you can get either a $500 Visa gift card or a free water heater from Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Got to thank you guys for listening, usually for watching, but tonight, just no video because YouTube Live was being... Kind of a curmudgeon, was not cooperating. Maybe it's a Wi-Fi thing, but we'll, we'll get that figured out, and hopefully that's a one-off kind of deal. Here's the week ahead. Big Ten Tournament is here, and it is uh, it's going to be fun, I suppose. It's not exactly the most compelling season of Big Ten action. You could say that it is the most parody-ridden conference in some time, and I would agree with that, but for the most part, I, I just don't think it's that good, right? Illinois, seventh seed in this tournament, that seems about right. You know, it seems like that is exactly right in this 14-team conference where you ultimately did just a little bit more good than bad, finishing 11-9 and and then getting the 7-10 matchup against Penn State. As for us, the po- uh, podcast and what we're going to do, Thursday night, I got parent-teacher conferences. I'm going to have to keep tabs from afar on the game. I, I have enough breaks throughout the evening where I'll be able to watch bits and pieces on one computer. So I, I plan to have it on. And and whenever there's not a parent to talk to, I'll be popping back to my desk and, okay, what's the score? What's the time? But let's start with Illinois Penn State before we expand into the rest of this tournament because, understandably, we see that matchup and we pucker up a bit, thinking third time is not going to be the charm. And as I sit here, I honestly would agree with that sentiment. I don't feel good about this, but I didn't feel good about the Michigan game. And I will say that I have a similar feeling going into this one yet again on a Thursday evening. That seems to go well for Illinois. There's something about continuity with this team. If it's an early start on a Sunday, they suck. If it is a later start on a Wednesday or Thursday, they seem to do pretty good for whatever reason. And that's what you got Thursday night in front of a friendly crowd at the United Center. So I sit here saying, I don't think we're going to win because we haven't shown anything against Penn State. But then the other side of me says, can Penn State really shoot 60% again on a neutral court? They can. (laughs) You know, that's the thing. Penn State, they need this more than Illinois. And I said the same about Michigan. I mean, now I think the parallels are kind of eerie between these two matchups because you have a Penn State team that, if they're going to make the tournament, probably wants to win a couple here in the Big Ten tournament to do so. They might need it. And they are fully capable of making a run with the backcourt that they have. I know they don't really have any bigs to speak of, but at the moment, does Illinois either? And this is where I think you almost fight fire with fire. I don't think you play Dane Danger that much. I don't think that's conducive in this matchup to put Dane out there. The drop coverage stuff is really bad right now. And he is very ineffective, almost to a worrying degree ineffective, just kind of fallen off. And the smaller lineup that Illinois is thrown out there seems to be the best one. And when you got Luke Goody starting to play well and R.J. Melendez, I think, playing well, who I saw on Twitter, people were trying to brainstorm, how do you guard Pickett? How do you finally match that? Well, keep in mind, R.J. played four minutes at Penn State back on Valentine's Day. That was in the complete depths of his slump. And it was understandable why he wasn't playing more, but... RJ's playing pretty good ball right now on both sides of the court. If you're trying to find some silver linings as the season comes to a close, it's that you still think that you can build off of RJ and Luke Goody and a freshman core. You're going to have to go get pieces for sure. But RJ, his resurgence, let's say, Luke Goody starting to play well, though I don't know if he could match up against Pickett. I don't know if he's got the lateral speed or quickness to do that. That at least gives you another option. It does. I think Sincere Harris, despite giving up a few inches to pick it, you got to have him on there too. 
And maybe from the, the start, maybe from the get-go, you do not start Dane Danger, and instead you go small, have Sincere come out, and try to disrupt him from the start. But you need to try something different. <clears throat> if you try the same thing that you've done against Penn State the last two times, especially the one just a few weeks ago, then I don't see how a different result should be expected. And I do think, however, if you get past that, you're looking pretty good to get to Saturday because Northwestern is after that. And Northwestern, we saw, took everything for Illinois to come back and win that game. That would be a, a fun matchup at the United Center, but I actually do sort of like that matchup against Northwestern just a couple weeks after you last beat them. And I, I would expect at that point, if you can just get past Penn State, get over that hump, you make it to Saturday, likely against Indiana or Maryland, right? Or Nebraska. My God, the way that they're playing right now, a, a very scary <clears throat> 11 seed if they can get past Minnesota. So with Penn State, there is this weird mental block almost, this this weight that I feel as an Illini fan on my shoulders with Penn State that really stems back to 2006. It's remarkable that 17 years ago, when I was a college freshman, it was me and my good buddy Matt who were down in the Orange Crush, and this was a early February game against Penn State, Illinois looking to win yet another Big Ten title, and Rich McBride hit a three-pointer to win that game against Penn State except he didn't. They reviewed it. It was not off in time. Illinois loses at home to Penn State, and so ends some crazy long stretch of, of home wins against, well, actually just total home streak at that point was, what, 60, 70 games, dating back to the Bill Self era, I think. So that was alarming, and then you go into this weird decade or so where Penn State just kind of beats you more than you beat them, and I'd have to look this up. I, I would, but I got to think that the 10 years from, let's say, 07 to 2017 through the John Gross era, Penn State kind of had your number. So this year, losing two in a row to them was disappointing uh, and a little bit, you know, dredging up PTSD from the past of this basketball program, for whatever reason, having an Achilles heel in the name of the Penn State Nittany Lions. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but they do just seem to be a team that I never really look forward to playing. And now are we back to this sort of position with Shrewsbury as their coach where anytime you see them on the schedule, you think, ah, crap. Now, there is no mirage to what Penn State does. They have great guards. And Illinois right now, what are they kind of lacking? Well, they're lacking great guards. But Illinois does have, at their best, this ability to play some frenetic defense to really kind of disrupt the other team. We saw that in the second half against Purdue where we know the Purdue's backcourt is not as good as Purdue, uh, Penn State's. And in fact, let's say you took Penn State's backcourt and matched them with Edie. That's like a national championship caliber team right there. Purdue does not have that. However, I do think that a lot of those same things could work against Penn State. I think that you need to fight fire with fire here and go right at these backcourt guys. I think you need to try to force the issue because this notion that you're going into this game with a talent advantage, I don't know how much of that is true. With Jaden Epps likely not playing, and who knows if he's going to play again this year, I don't know if you can go into this game thinking that there is a significant, if at all, talent advantage for Illinois. In fact, I think it's pretty evenly matched when you consider most of the lineups we put out there will probably be without Dane Danger. So how do you win then? And I think this is where the last few games, despite losing to Michigan and losing to Ohio State, when this team in the smaller lineup have been playing at their best— there is something there. There's something there. And in a way, I kind of wish that we would have seen more of it earlier. And I know that against like 100 Dickinson, he got his 31 points because you went small. Even though he had to work for it, he still got 31. Trace Jackson Davis might have done the same thing had we played them the last couple weeks of that lineup. But there is an energy with which they play with those guys. And I'm talking Coleman, Luke Goody, RJ Melendez, Terrence in the second half at least. Uh, Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, and yeah, Cheryl Thomai are out there too, but you at least see the seeds of identity kind of sprouting. You see a team kind of figuring themselves out a little bit, and maybe not too late. I mean, you got two single elimination tournaments left, and if Illinois is going to make a run in this tournament, it's going to have to be a scrappy kind of run. It's going to have to be one where the defense really sets everything up because Illinois is not going to magically start making boatloads of three-pointers, especially on a neutral court. That's not going to happen. 
So what is it going to come down to? Turnovers and easy buckets. How did they come back from 24 down yesterday against Purdue? Because of that. Because they got right up in Purdue's backcourt and they disrupted them. Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, RJ, Luke Goody, they made the Purdue backcourt look pedestrian. I think you can make the Penn State backcourt uncomfortable. Will they do it? Will they wait until the second half? Would you at all be surprised if Penn State takes a 10-2 to lead to start the game? And if they do, are you going to groan and say, ugh? Or are you going to say, yep, yep, that figures. Unfortunately, I'm probably in the latter camp. But doggone it, Illinois. Like, I want to believe. I really do. And you've shown me these seeds, inconsistent as it may be, enough to make me think that there might be something there. There might be. And it starts now, doesn't it? And if not now, when? And before you know it, I, I would really hate to wake up, you know, 10 days from now, 10, 11 days from now, after the Thursday or Friday game, and just think, wow, we played two postseason games total. Penn State and a loss in the NCAA tournament. And as I sit here today, that is as much of a possibility in my mind as getting to Saturday in the Big Ten tournament and making the Sweet 16. How many games you got left? Two or five? Two or six, seven, who knows, right? And and that's what's so bizarre, right? I mean, we could sit here and try to analyze, and man, oh man, texting Trevor and Isaac yesterday, trying to find new angles, trying to find something that makes sense. Uh, I can't. I can't. And I feel like the podcast, in a way, is (laughs) in a slump because, think about it, what new have we gleaned from this team? What new nuggets have we gleaned in the last couple months? Essentially, the week where they beat uh, Texas and lost to Penn State back in December told us everything we needed to know, and that was the second week of December. Nothing's changed. It's the same thing. The only things that have changed are some different personnel looks, and I think, as I mentioned, this sort of energy and freneticness with, is that a word, freneticness? We'll go with it that the small lineup plays with. So I'm kind of hanging my hat on that and just fingers crossed that they somehow make a, not miraculous, but a surprising run. Because for all the talk that Illinois is kind of, you know, they're March Madness personified because they can be so good and they can be so bad. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. But at the end of the day, our net ranking is what, 37? And let me make sure I get this right. 33, excuse me. And we have not won a quad one game since Texas. So how good are we? Eight, nine seed good. That's fine. But how many eight, nine seeds make a deep run in the tournament? Not many. Why? Because you got to play one. So Big Ten tournament, what are my prognostications? I, I'm going to be the optimist. I am. I'm going to say this team gets to Saturday for, for whatever reason. Maybe finally the... The writing is on the wall for them. The single elimination tournament gives you that immediate urgency that this team, for whatever reason, lacked in many first halves of regular season games. Cannot explain it, except for the fact that they were just waiting for this moment. I have this feeling that it's either going to end against Penn State or they're going to make it all the way to Saturday and have a heck of a game against Indiana or Maryland. And potentially win. I would not be surprised to see this team playing Sunday, but I also would not be surprised to see them losing Thursday. That is weak-ass analytics. I completely get it. You're probably saying, thanks, Carp, for nothing. I could have said that. You're right. But what more can you say about this team, right? I'm looking at Illinois' net ranking sheet, which they break into quad one, two, three, four. And, yeah, UCLA and Texas are your only quad one wins. The unfortunate part, Robert Rosenthal from Illini, he, he broke it down and This is how close you were to getting another quad one win. Michigan State, they are 31 in the net. So that is quad two. If they would have been 30th, that would have been quad one. At home even, that would have been a quad one win. Wisconsin, good old Wisconsin, finished 78th, 78th in net. Meaning your home win against Wisconsin is a quad three win along with Nebraska and Syracuse and on the road against Minnesota. That's what they think about Wisconsin. Your road win against Wisconsin, just quad two, right? 
Nebraska quad two win as well on the road. Go figure. And then your quad four, you know, the Minnesota quad four win, <laughs> you won by nine because Jameson Battle hit that late garbage three. So instead of winning by 12 and, and having that count for a little bit more, listen, it's a weird sheet. It's a weird net ranking sheet. Memphis sits there at 34 right beneath you. You're, you're, you're an eight or nine seed. It's what you are. Maybe you make it to Saturday and you beat Indiana. You, you work your way back up to seven. But it seems like things are trending eight, nine for Illinois. And uh, Jeremy wrote an article about this this morning on Illini Inquirer, basically alluding to this point that Illinois four and five since the start of February. And BracketMatrix.com, it's a composite of dozens of these bracket projections. They have Illinois as a consensus number eight behind four other Big Ten teams, which are Michigan State, uh, Northwestern, Iowa, and Maryland. So let's see here. Um, That means Michigan, Northwestern, Iowa, Maryland are all around like the seven range, I believe. Purdue's going to be way up there. Yeah, that seems right, doesn't it? Jerry Palm has Illinois as an eight. Joe Lunardi, Illinois as an eight. Brad Evans, who I, I trust quite a bit. The third, number eight seed. Brian Bennett, number eight. In the Midwest, oh, look who would be the number one? Houston. Here's the thing. If you get the eight in the Midwest, I would imagine that Houston is the number one. The Midwest, Purdue's the number two. And you would not have Illinois as a seven or ten facing Purdue potentially in a second-round matchup. So that seems about right. Houston, again, wouldn't that be nice? And that's the problem with these losses that you've had, this four and five month, where you would have been a six seed at the start of February, a, a solid six and you just didn't take advantage of opportunities. This leads me to a one thought I had last night. You lose to Purdue, fine, whatever. But really, this entire season, the complexion of the season changes. Had you held off Indiana late, and had you held off Iowa, the entire complexion of the season changes. But you didn't. You probably flip seed lines with Iowa had you won that game. But you didn't. You probably ensure a seven seed if you just held on at Indiana, but you didn't. And if there's ever a team where you say you are what your record is, it's really this one. Because if anything, this team has been the beneficiary of some late game heroics against Northwestern and Michigan that really kept them from falling even further. Though, to this team's credit, the Michigan game, the refs tried everything they could to give it to Juwan and crew. But there you go. Illinois, an eight or nine seed, and that's the price you pay. And that sucks because if we were making any prognostication that they were going to make a deep run, it was not as an eight or nine seed. I am not looking forward to playing Houston or Alabama or UCLA again. No, those are complete teams and this is not. And if you get a two seed, the likes of, oh, hell, I don't know. Tennessee, though, they might be playing themselves into a three. Uh, I don't know. I, Gonzaga, they aren't going to get a two. St. Mary's isn't going to get a two. Arizona, I don't know. I just feel like there's a drop-off here. And uh, Trevor made a great point in the text thread yesterday. We're going to watch the bracket show. We'll do a live podcast when we do it. But no matter what matchups are released, are you going to try and make any sort of predictions at that point? Because I, I don't know if you can. Sure, I don't want to play Houston again. I think that goes without saying they're the best team in the country. But other than that, I don't really care who your nine seed is. Arkansas, Pitt, Memphis, whatever. I mean, whoever it is, I'm not even going to try to predict that game. Because it doesn't matter. The Ohio State game, eight days ago, a team that had the worst two-point field goal defense or one of the worst in the country for a month plus, and you couldn't score at the rim for the first half. Go figure. There's no figuring it out, and that is the, you could say that's the exciting thing about this team. I find it annoying. I really do. And it is now or never for them, them to build any legacy. Because as I mentioned in the opening, opening segment, not to continue and, and hit on the Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon Jr. thing, but how are we going to remember them? I mean, what are the comparables here? What do we look back in Illinois basketball history and say, you know, Terrence reminds me of this, or Matthew Meyer reminds me of this. One year, they're passing through their guest, essentially. 
And will they leave you with anything more than, oh, yeah, I, I remember them. Yeah, it was fine. I hope they do. I hope they do, especially for Terrence, him being a Chicago guy. And having those moments more than Matthew Meyer, I think. Matthew Meyer can be a microwave early in games, but rarely has he helped you close one out. Terrence Shannon has. So you know that he's got it in him. And I would love to have this sort of, not redemptive story, but, oh, I see. Terrence was just waiting for the single elimination tournaments, and then he just goes off. Because right now you saw a guy in Terrence Shannon Jr. play himself from first-team All-Big Ten conversation in mid-December to what? Honorable mention? I mean, he... Not as if the numbers weren't always there, but everyone that watched those games knows that that guy could disappear for extended stretches. Not a first or second team All-Big Ten, maybe third. That's that's not good. Matthew Meyer, okay, fine. He could be a microwave. He's not, what is he, honorable mention, I guess. This is where I, I want to do something real quick before I move on to some of the tweets we had earlier today about the Big Ten tournament. I'm trying to you know do a little bit of remember when or a little bit of Thinking back to our favorite Big Ten tournament moments, but last thought, Coleman Hawkins is someone that I had early this season, got very frustrated with in the UCLA game. There were moments, especially in December and early January, where you're thinking, what the heck is going on? And even I think the first half of the Iowa game, there were moments where you're like, what is Coleman doing out there? The last month, I feel like he's playing lights out. And I know that it doesn't always show on the stat sheet, which sounds like the old cliche that many people were telling me when I was criticizing Coleman's play back in December, in January. But Coleman is playing amazing basketball. And he's playing out of position. He's playing his ass off. If you took his motor and put it in Terrence and Matthew Meyer, I think the entire complexion of this season changes. And that sounds a bit like a meatball take. Well, if they just played harder. Don't you think it's true? Coleman Hawkins plays at an 11 out of 10 and that got him into some trouble back in December and January my question was never effort with Coleman it was kind of putting it all together and and finding that connection between his brain and his body what his brain wanted him to do sometimes it seemed like his body would spaz out that's not really happening anymore he's playing great basketball and I hope he comes back next year because I do think that him as the alpha dog as a senior because this year it feels like he acquiesced a little bit to the two fifth-year senior transfers that came in. I think you could see Coleman actually adapt pretty well into that role and really embody a very scrappy Illinois team around Ty Rogers and Sincere Harris and Epps. God willing, he plays again, whatever is going on, but I hope he does. RJ Melendez, hopefully finding something. I want him to come back. I want Luke Goody back. I think you got a core you can work with. And getting Coleman back would actually be hugely beneficial for this team. Big Ten champions? Probably not. But at least a team with an identity. A Michigan State-like team that you could almost pencil in for a top five finish in the Big Ten, where they might not be the sexiest team, but at least you know night in, night out, they're going to play balls to the wall. And then, knowing who your alpha dog is, and knowing that you got this core I'd be anxious to see in April, when the transfer portal opens up and really gets going, how Brad Underwood supplements the team with transfers. And that's the key, supplement. Of course, if there's a stud out there, go get him. If he's going to be an all-star, go get him. Don't not get him, double negative there, I know. But also, when you're selling this, when you're pitching this to guys, you got to be able to sell what your identity is. And it seems like they were selling Terrence Shannon Jr. and Matthew Meyer on, we're going to get you ready for the pros. Well, you got to do that, right? If you're going to land these guys, you have to do that. But there has to be a little bit more of a, hey, are you down with this culture? And I would rather take the hungry guy from, you know, no-name school. Take Andres Feliz, Juco guy. He had a lot to prove, and he proved it here. Take Plummer, came from Utah. Not bad there, pretty good three-point shooter. Had a fantastic senior year. Most three-pointers in Illinois single-season history, right? I mean, there are guys like that out there that may not be in the top 10 list of transfers, but this is where you got to have a keen eye, I think. And Underwood has had some hits on the transfer portal. I'm not going to say exactly misses as far as production is concerned, but in terms of culture and fit and all those other cliches you want to throw out there, I think we would agree that these two guys they brought in this year, the numbers might be there, but the intangibles are not. There's got to be a balance there in building it around Coleman and the freshman core and the, soft, the freshman and sophomore core. Because I will include Luke Goody and R.J. Melendez in that. 
I'm feeling much better about both of those guys. Luke Goody was awesome yesterday. Everywhere in that Purdue game. And that gives you reason for optimism, I think. All right, before we get out of here, I threw out a question. We call it Mailbag Mondays. I don't know if it'll stick or not, but what the hell? We'll give it a shot. I had asked people about these uh, with the Big Ten tournament coming up. Illinois has had a decent run of success in the Big Ten tournament, and there was a stretch the last five years of Weber in the John Gross era where that was not the case. But winning it again two years ago kind of reminded you that, man, we, we have a pretty solid record in the Big Ten tournament. We have three tournament wins in 03, 05, and 2020. I don't know if another one's going to happen this year. I don't count on it, but I also wouldn't be surprised back at the United Center to see this team make a few, make a bit of a run. So I threw this mailbag Monday out there, and here's what I got. And, and there are a few that are recurring themes, and I'll get to some of mine in a bit after I get to your guys' here. My Monday mailbag asked, favorite Big Ten tournament memory? I threw out Corey Bradford's game-winning three against Indiana, and KR Lock 33 agrees with that. Corey's three is my memory, too. I was eight months pregnant, and my daughter, now turning 23, was born the next day. Oh, and uh, she's an Illini grad and fan. So KR Lock, that game, the reason that I threw that out there, Corey's three in 2000, it was the Friday 4-5 matchup at 11 a.m. How do I remember this? I'm pretty sure spring break had just started. This is the Thursday, Friday, just like this weekend. It always lines up. The Thursday, Friday at parent-teacher conferences lines up with that. It just so happened that that Friday I was recovering from the stomach flu a few days before. And I was just now starting to get like solids down, right? And I'm a little groggy, a little tired, but I I get up for the Illinois-Indiana game and I'm excited for it. It was a back-and-forth affair. I'm pretty sure, was this an A.J. Guyton, Indiana, or maybe just after that? Probably the Dane Fife, Tom Coverdale era, just beginning. And it came down to, it was a 69-69 tie, I think, when we had Corey in the corner to extend his three-point streak with the game winner, Illinois wins by three. So that was the first one that came to mind, and Carolock agreed with that as well. I want to make sure I didn't miss any from here. Uh, okay, great. This one is, oh, from Carolock was there and the energy in the UC was amazing. And that's the thing. When this tournament was at the UC early on, that became a home court advantage where Illinois was more years than not in the championship game. From Charlie, great start. I'd say the previous year, 1999, the lowest seed making a run of the championship and almost making the NCAA with a losing record, but also I holding the championship trophy in 2021 and Trent cutting down the nets. Let's do both of these, Charlie. 1999, And there's a tweet later on that says it was a formative moment for them as a fan, and I would agree with that. The Lon Kruger era was really good. You won a Big Ten title. You never made it to the second weekend, but overall, that was a really strong era. Five years, right? Four or five years. So in 1999, that season, Illinois, I think, went 3-13 and in conference, and they were the 11th seed out of 11. Now, I remember that Thursday night, I think Illinois beat Minnesota. And Minnesota was ranked, so it was a 6-11 matchup, something like that. And, you know, whether they were ranked 23rd or 24th, it was still an upset, though not entirely shocking, I think. Okay, these happened. But then Friday night, you beat Indiana. And now we're thinking, okay, what's going on here? So, uh, Saturday, you get the CBS crew in there. So it's Jim Nance and Spilly Packer. And I remember distinctly going to uh, a neighbor's house. My dad and I went down to our, our neighbor Doug's place, and the entire neighborhood crew was down there watching this game. And Illinois was becoming this national story because they were making this deep run, unexpectedly deep run in the Big Ten tournament, and they beat, I think, a top 10 Ohio State team. Michael Red, oh gosh, Scooney Penn, Ken Johnson was the big, I think. Really good Ohio State team. And then I remember my dad and I leaving there to, we went up to this Osco, the CBS that was biased, and it might have honestly been to get more beer to go back to this neighbor's place. (laughs) That actually makes a lot of sense. And I remember the checkout line and just saying to my dad, do you think we could do this? Like, how bizarre is this? We we can beat Michigan State tomorrow and make the NCAA tournament. Now, we knew it was an uphill battle, and the team was just gassed on Sunday. But that was enough. Those three wins were enough to really propel that team to a top 25 status next season when you added Marcus Griffin, Frank Williams, and Brian Cook. Not bad additions, right? Another thing that Charlie mentioned was Io holding the trophy in 2021. And 
that was emotional on several levels for me. I had just gotten home that day from Chicago because that was the week that my mom had gotten her liver transplant. And that whole season, you know, my mom was in, in bad health and fortunately things all worked out. But that January and February, riding this wave of Illinois basketball, but this sort of cloud over things because COVID was right in the thick of it. And for her health and safety, we, we didn't really see her. She had to just play it very close to the vest before she could get that call from Northwestern. She gets that call the week of the Big Ten tournament on a Tuesday, I think. And sure enough, that Wednesday, uh, she goes in for surgery. I get out of school. I do all my parent-teacher conferences via Zoom from a hotel in Chicago. Surgery goes well, and we stay up there. She's recovering. And each day, watch Illinois in the tournament. They smoke Rutgers the first game. I don't want to say classic, but it felt like it beating Iowa on Saturday, and then Sunday, an overtime thriller against Ohio State. And I had gotten back that Sunday, back home, and I remember when I got over, it's weird because I could hear Trevor and Isaac and I were doing the podcast together, and Trevor got emotional. Like, he he had to gather himself, and you could hear a few, you know, like, man cry, like, grunts almost. And I was right there, too, and I completely understood it. It was this outpouring of emotion, not just for winning that Big Ten tournament, especially after all the hubbub about Michigan getting the Big Ten regular season title, which we all know was bunk and it should have been a share, but neither here nor there. Getting that tangible thing, the return of Illinois basketball, coupled with the fact that COVID, we were starting to come out of it with the everyone's getting their vaccines, there was going to be a, a summer ahead where things were returning to normal, There was this just completely cathartic release winning that game that I've not felt before. Now, it was quickly muted a week later. We know that. It sucks. (laughs) I mean, one one Sunday later, and it was all over. And I did not anticipate that, and none of us did. But for that moment, uh, yes, it was special, Charlie. I, I wish that I could look back on that as the beginning of a March run. Unfortunately, that was the peak for them. But thank you for sharing that. From G. Gordon Liddy, beating Purdue in the Baby Boilers in 2008's run of the championship game. So this is an interesting one, G. Gordon Liddy. Of course, not the one who was part of the Watergate conspiracy, right? I was a junior at the U of I, and I, I'm trying to remember that game. I mean, this would have been the Robbie Hummel, Juwan Johnson, who was the little point guard, Lewis Jackson, Etwan Moore, Purdue, I think. And that Illinois team was the one that had lost in overtime or double overtime to Eric Gordon in Indiana. It was a bad season. Calvin Brock, I think, had a good Big Ten tournament. Yeah, that was a fun run. I got to say, though, G. Gordon Witte, that was in one of my least favorite years of Illinois basketball. There was such a darkness going around, and I think that was the Jamar Smith year as well. Granted, in 2008-09, Illinois actually had a surprising run to second in the Big Ten and four seed in the NCAA tournament. but And maybe that tournament was kind of a precursor to that, but regardless, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was fun, and then they scored like 40 points against Wisconsin in the final, which go figure. That was peak Wisconsin, I think Alondo Tucker. Let's see what else we got here for the Big Ten tournament. This is from Jacob. That 1999 run is what hooked me as an Illini fan. And Jacob, while I was already a huge Illini fan and been going to games since I was a little kid, that certainly was the one that turned me into uber fan. Live and die by every game and every result. Al says, Corey Bradford was number one for me, but Brandon Paul's game winner against Minnesota was pretty awesome as well. Sealed us getting in the tourney and really should have been the last team in the Sweet 16 had they not gotten screwed against Miami. Two quick things about that, Al. I remember watching that Minnesota buzzer beater. I was working at the radio station at that time, and I, my parents' house was right by the station, so I just went there to watch the game. Brandon Paul makes it, and yeah, there it's funny because that team got a seven seed. They were in the tournament, but it still oddly felt for us fans in this pre-much more well-informed bracketology age. I think Lunardi was the only one back then. It still felt like we had more work to do. Well, we didn't. But it was nice to win that game and feel like, okay, we're for sure in. And then not sweat anything on Selection Sunday. You mentioned the Miami game, Sweet 16. If you recall, for anyone living in Champaign-Urbana then, that night, not only did you lose, but you got dumped on with like 13 inches of snow. It, it was just this crazy blizzard. So at halftime, I went out and shoveled. After the game, I angrily went out and shoveled. It, it was, all that said, it was the closest thing to a moral victory that I've seen with Illini basketball because it felt like the start of a special era with John Gross. 
right? Whoops. Dave says, buzzer beaters in March are always atop the list. Brandon Paul's winner against the Gophers in 2013. He mentions that too. Andrew saw all four games of the 98 team's run in Chicago. Had an absolute blast. I'm pretty sure uh, Lon did as well. This is it. Yeah, this is Lon's story. Lon tweets this at me. Corey, Lucas, and crew freshman season. Worst seed in the tournament. I took two pair of undies. God, I love Lon. (laughs) Two pair of undies, two shirts, and one khaki slacks to cover a sure loss to Minnesota for WAND. Four days later, I purchased more undies and wore my brother's clothes as they played for the title. Unexpected and fun. And the use of undies, Lon, is perfect. Uh, Yeah, I remember talking about that with Lon on the radio show. And and it's funny how that particular year, despite not winning the tournament, is on everyone's top three. It was just something about that weekend. And, of course, it's the, the unexpectedness of it. But I think because we knew reinforcements were coming, it made it extra special. Wow, we're already doing this. Now add Marcus Griffin, Brian Cook, Frank Williams. And sure enough, that worked out pretty well. Okay, but <laughs> Chris responds, I think one pair of everything will be enough for this year's tournament. Chris, I hope I hope Lon or anyone going up there would need more than two pair of undies for this tournament. Uh, I don't anticipate they need much more than that, but yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Okay, this is from Kevin. Meeting Aaron Henry at the 08 final when Aaron was at Wisconsin. Became friends that day. Wanted to buy stock in him then. Knew he was special. Well, that's cool, Kevin. If, I mean, one, that you met him then. And two, that you're still friends with him. Our, our defensive coordinator that I buy a lot of stock in. After that bowl game, I thought the defense was spectacular. Had a great game plan. And I think he's a, a special kind of personality. So, Kevin, that's a cool story. You met the defensive coordinator that is going to sustain our success as Illinois football goes 8-4 and four again this year. You heard it here first. Williams to tie it. Nice screen name. He also mentioned Brandon Paul's three over Minnesota. From Colt, the 99 and 08 last place runs of the title games were fun, but how can you beat the 2021 title game OT thriller against Ohio State? It felt like an Elite Eight game and especially crucial since the conference screwed us out of the league title. Colt perfectly said it had an intensity beyond just Big Ten tournament title, which that alone is enough. But we all wanted it so freaking bad, and it just so happened that Ohio State felt like an Achilles heel. They had beaten you at home earlier that year. It took everything you had to beat them the week before at Ohio State. They had their fourth game in four days, so it felt like, well, we should have the advantage here, but man, Ohio State, tough as nails. And was it, God, Deshaun Washington? Oh, my God. Dwayne Washington? They're 6'6", 6'7", shooting guard, all tatted up. Guy could not miss. 30-foot three-pointers. It just felt impossible playing that guy. He just killed us so, so much. Uh, let's see here. We also have, I want to make sure I didn't miss any Corey, Corey Bradford liking a lot of these tweets. So I think he's going to kick out of it. And yeah, those were the ones that I got in response to that in 03 and 05 when the teams won the big 10 tournament, you know, 03 was a team that just missed out on the regular season title at Wisconsin on the last day of the year or no, the second to last game. That was when Devin Harris hit game winning free throws after a foul call. That was heartbreaking, but they won it at the United center the week later. So that was a team that deserved it with Brian Cook and all the freshmen. And then in 05, could a Big Ten tournament be anticlimactic? If it was, it was 05 because Illinois didn't play particularly great. Bruce Weber had lost his mom on that Friday or Saturday. And I remember afterwards, they won the tournament and Dee Brown was visibly upset because he didn't play well in that tournament. And I remember Billy Packer personally saying something to him like, kid, you're going to be all right. Keep your head up. In the post-game interview thing. Because D was... He looked miserable. And that shows you what a competitor he and those guys were. That, and, and we adopted that as a fan base. That winning the Big Ten tournament meant nothing. That's how special that team was. So I'm not going to have the 05 as one of my favorite memories. Um, but I, I do think that uh, that just speaks to where they were. They, they didn't need it. But they took care of business. And, and that was... Uh, we shouldn't scoff at any banner that you get to hang. So it all begins again on Thursday, right? What do you think? Third time's the charm? Maybe. Beating Penn State. I think if you do, you get to Saturday. I, I sit here and I said for weeks, I don't really care what happens in the Big Ten turn- tournament. But you know what? When it gets started, sure I do. And I don't know what tangible thing this team is going to accomplish this year. So if you got something in front of you, well, try to win the damn thing. And... It would take a lot. I, I don't I don't see it happening. And, of course, I'd rather take a Sweet 16 than a Big Ten tournament win. But uh, let's win a couple. 
you know, let's have some fun up there. I'm going to be up in Chicago Friday seeing Iggy Pop, and I would like to be able to watch the game at 5.30. Illinois wins at 7.30. Uber it over to see Iggy Pop. That'd be a pretty good Friday night. I plan on taking my recording stuff up with me so I could do a late night or early morning pod from the hotel. And hey, if they're there Sunday, I'll just stay an extra night and watch that game. So here's the plan for the rest of the week. I am going to be at parent-teacher conferences Thursday until 8. Because it's a long day, I don't know if I'm going to podcast afterwards or not. I'm probably going to pack for Chicago the next day. I got parent-teacher conferences Friday morning. Plan on taking my stuff with me. So if they make a run in the Big Ten tournament, I will either do one Friday late evening if they win that or Saturday in the morning. And then Sunday we'll for sure do a a uh, selection Sunday special, right? And it's nice that we can say that we can do that somewhat regularly now. That's where this program's at. So as frustrating as this team has been, the fact is they are making the tournament. And that is that was goal number one when they hired Brad Underwood. And to his credit, he has really done that four years in a row. Now we have some stories in the offseason to focus on. But first things first, we have two single elimination tournaments. And just make noise somehow, some way. I don't know how, but... Wouldn't it be nice? So before we get out of here, got to remind you, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Their winter sale is a Lennox Home Comfort System. You get that, and you get your choice of either a $500 Visa gift card or a brand new hot water heater. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. So we will keep you posted on Twitter. If you follow me at fanboycarp, I will let you know when we will be podcasting the game Thursday night, no live pod, because I will be meeting with parents and telling them just how awesome their kids are. Most of them are. That, that is the truth. And uh, we'll see how the weekend shapes up. But I will keep you posted and have my recording equipment at the ready, even when I'm in Chicago. So take care, everybody. Uh, enjoy the beginnings of the Big Ten Tournament Wednesday night. And hopefully we have more than just one game to watch. And this team can somehow make March interesting. We'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level. 